0: That's right.
1: SFM, South Africa's news and information leader. Hello and welcome to the Tuesday edition of SFM Sports Wrap. I'm doing to lock-in for Brad Brown, and uh, it's going to be an exciting show. It's a very busy show as well. We're going to be talking tennis, we're going to be talking cricket, we're going to be talking surfing, we're going to be talking football as well. There's plenty to talk about, and I've got so much to talk about in sports news. But before I get into the sports news, I must ask you to please note that Centec will be doing some essential work at the Elliott Eastern Cape Transmitting Station. Interruptions are going to occur on SFM between 8 and 4 p.m. tomorrow. Uh, Endeavours will be made to limit the interruptions to the shortest possible time. But we start off with you sports news with uh, Bafana Bafana football story. Interim coach Owen De Gama tasking striker Lars Feldfeig with uh, leading the attack in tonight's friendly against uh, Mozambique at the Estadio de Zimbeto in Maputo. Kickoff is at 7 o'clock. De Gama had- having made eight changes to the team that will play, Seneg- uh, that beat Senegal, rather, in the World Cup qualifier at the weekend, with only captain Alani Slatuayo Tiani Mabunda and Mulamuandar Matoho retaining their places. Further afield, results from Today's Asian 2018 FIFA World Cup qualifiers, Japan beat Saudi Arabia 2-1, so did Korea Republic 2-1 over Uzbekistan. Uh, China and Qatar and Syria and Iran both played to goalless draws, while Thailand and Australia ended in 2-2. Now, halftime between the United Arab Emirates and Iraq, it is 1-0 to the hosts UAE. Meanwhile, South American qualifying, Bolivia played Paraguay and Ecuador faced Venezuela tonight in the early hours of tomorrow morning. Chile host Uruguay and Argentina faced Colombia at 1:30 before P- Peru played. Brazil at uh, quarter past four. Select international friendlies in Europe tonight including Italy hosting Germany at a quarter to ten before France play Côte d'Ivoire and England host Spain at ten o'clock. Cricket news, the Proteas routed Australia by an innings and 80 runs on the fourth morning of the second test in Hobart to claim an emphatic series win. It was their third successive series win in Australia following similar triumphs in 2008 and 2012. Update with Johan Leroux in a moment. Meanwhile in tennis news, results from the day's action at the Barclays ATP World Tour finals. Singles, Dominique Three in three sets and in doubles Australian Open and US Open champions Jamie Murray and Bruno Soares beating the Bryan brothers Bob and Mike 6-3, six, 6-4 six, Djokovic faces Raonic in the singles tonight while Dogic and Melo play Huey and Mirny in tonight's doubles tie and that's your sports news SAFM Sports Rap SFM so South Africa's news and information leader. Let's talk tennis now. Some enthralling matches in prospect, certainly at the Barclays uh, ATP World Tour Finals. Some of them have already taken place, and some results come through. But tennis correspondent Chris Bowers is at the O2 Arena in London. Chris, thanks for joining us. Uh, good evening. Starting off with uh, in the singles, Monfils and team, a contest between two debutants, but three sets to uh, decide the victor.
2: Yeah, first match we've had this week that's gone two, three sets in the singles, and uh, it went to Dominic Thiem, but I suspect a more accurate description would be that Monfi is somewhat self-destructive towards the end, as he so often can, just been in his press conference, and he was so down and just sort of really not saying anything, and uh, very... Um, well miserable with the world really, and uh, he came back well having dropped the first set, he rattled through the second set he was uh four love up he uh, won it six games to one and he, he stuck with team in the third set, and then at five four he just played an awful service game, three double faults, a couple of aces in there as well but uh, then, on the final point he he just he just blew it and um I think he feels probably that he, he earned his position back in the world's top eight and uh, he just came to London really without the necessary preparation because he's been fighting to uh, recover from a rib injury.
1: Yeah, let's talk about tonight's matches though. Um, Novak Djokovic, uh, he's still not given up on finishing the world, uh, year as world number one, I suppose, but uh, he's, he's going to need a, a, a lot from this world to a finals and I hope Andy Murray stumbles as well, I suppose. Uh, but, but he's got Moranich tonight, doesn't he?
2: Yes, yes, and that'll be a fascinating match because we're still not exactly sure about uh, Djokovic's state of mind. He got himself <laughs> involved in a bit of an argument with a, one of the British tabloid journalists uh, a couple of days ago, um, I still in a teacup, really. But um, a lot of the a lot of the British journalists have been saying, no, 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 no. It's a sign of just how unsettled his mind is that uh, you know he 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 picks a fight over a, a question where he could have given a very straight answer to, and it would have been uh, you know killed the story off. Instead of which, he created a story. I think that's a little bit unfair. I think more was made of it than necessary. But I do think that Djokovic wants the year to end, and yet he could end up as uh, world well, number one. I mean, the scenario here, Andy. Murray is playing incredibly well, but if they get to the final, having won their three group matches and their semi-finals, and Djokovic wins that final, he'll finish the year number one. Uh, so Murray's got to finish ahead of Djokovic in the um, you know in this tournament. Uh, otherwise, uh, yeah, the Serb will be number one. And some people will say quite right too, because although Murray's certainly played the best tennis over the last few months, uh, Djokovic has won two of the f- um, four majors, and they were the first two of this year.
1: Oh, some fascinating times Certainly Well there's a great deal Of South African interest Of course Because Raven Clarkson Is playing in the doubles So let's talk about the doubles uh, It was uh, the Australian And uh, US Open champions Jamie Murray And Bruno Suarez Who beat uh, four time ATB two Finals champions The uh, the Bryan brothers I believe Yes
2: That was, that was the uh, doubles match Earlier today That was a fantastic uh, match Or a fantastic display By uh, Murray and Suarez I think it also Shows that age Is catching up With the Bryans They're still a very useful pair They're, they're probably likely To finish the year uh, third or fourth best pair but it's a struggle for them now they're playing on, on the their reputation they're playing it on instinct they're still a great pair and they're still you know great guys to to chat to I think their attitude towards tennis is, is fantastic and long may they be on the tour but I don't think they're the force they were a couple of years ago I think that showed. as for Clarsen and Ram they play tomorrow against uh, John Pears and Henry Continent who are an uh, Australian Finnish pair who really are running into some tremendous form runners up in Shanghai champions in Paris and uh, won their first match very very comfortably so Clarsen uh, and Ram will start off as underdogs in that one
1: uh, unfortunately they will Yeah, but certainly, uh, I tell you, there's some class tennis that's being played, and I think uh, Kei Nishikori has really brought his A-game to uh, the O2 arena. But uh, unfortunately, time is against us, Chris, but thank you very much. Go and enjoy the action.
2: Oh, I'll try.
3: SAFM brings you live, interactive, topical news from current affairs, global warming debates, women's issues, to interviews with top literary connoisseurs. To join our conversations, visit our website on safm.co.za. Follow us on Twitter at SAFM Radio or simply
1: like our Facebook page, SAFM Radio. SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. Mr. news bulletin? Catch up with the SABC News on the go, whatever your reasons are for missing out on the SABC News updates on TV or radio. You can find the latest news on our digital news platforms. Visit the SABC News website on sabc.co.za forward slash news. Watch the latest news on the SABC News YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash SABC News. Listen to the SABC's news podcasts on sabcnews.iono.fm. The SABC News online presence also extends beyond its website, keeping users informed through social media at SABC News Online, on Facebook and Twitter, whenever, wherever. Hashtag Kai, Kai. SAFM, SAFM. 105 to 107. Conversations that thrill you and music that moves you. This is Sport on SAFM, every supporter's greatest resource. SFM, South Africa's news and information leader. Now, uh, I want to talk about something slightly different uh, today. South Africa is going to be sending uh, seven competitors to the World Adapted Surfing Championships to be held in uh, La Hoya, California from the, 11th, uh, the 8th to the 11th of December. I'm delighted to say that we've got uh, one of the greatest surfers ever produced and certainly the greatest South African surfer in my very humble opinion, Sean Thompson on the line all the way from the United States. Sean, thanks for joining us. Good evening.
4: Great. It's great to chat.
1: Uh, I, I suppose I'm going to be giving away my age when I, when I tell you that, uh, that I had the great privilege of meeting you years ago. And I remember when you became the world's first real professional. And, uh, certainly that, like, you <laughs> won the Gunston, what, six times in, in years gone by? Yes. I mean, you were regarded yes. when you won the world title as the greatest surfer in the world at the time. And I mean, uh, you know, that's just off the top of my head. I know I'm missing out many things, but what are you actually up to these days?
4: So today, I'm principally uh, doing inspirational speaking for large corporations. I speak to the biggest companies in the world, companies like Cisco and Google, PwC, The Gap. And then I have workshops to empower their employees. I do it all over the world, and I love doing it. I've been doing it uh, for about uh, the last 12 years. I've written a couple of books that, that turned into into very really popular books. Uh, my books are called uh, Surface Code. And then the Code, The Power of Our Will, and they're all about uh, self-empowerment and finding your true purpose in life. So it's something I I love doing, and it's uh, very aligned with my surfing. I'm still a very keen surfer. I was out there yesterday for four hours, so I still still try to get out there often. I have uh, been married now for 29 years to a beautiful South African woman, Carla. And then we have a seven-year-old son, Luke. (laughs) Life is
1: good for us. Life is certainly good, and it's, uh, it's keeping you on your toes, it seems, Sean. But uh, let's talk about adaptive surfing. Uh, I, I presume it's basically surfing for, for people with disabilities. But, you know, I just recently got back from the Paralympic Games in Brazil, and uh, in swimming, for example, they, they, there were, what, 14 different classifications. Is, is surfing similar and open to, to all who want to participate regardless of disability?
4: Yes, it is. Um, you know, we we prefer to call them, uh, the guys and girls physically challenged rather than than disabled. Uh, and what they've done uh, in surfing, it's a relatively new, the first uh, Adaptive World Surfing Championships was held uh, last year in La Jolla. And then the organization was formed relatively recently in South Africa, if anyone wants to get more information on it. It's called AdaptiveSurfingSouthAfrica.co.za. And they're putting together another team. They had a team uh, last year. One of the guys got got a silver medal, uh, Anthony Smart. So they're putting another team together to get over to La Jolla again for the for the second World Adaptive Surfing Champs. Last year I I, uh, I had the honour of presenting all the, all the guys with their Springbok colours. It was wonderful to be on the beach with them. And let me tell you, it was so inspiring. You know, you've been to the the Paralympics, and to see these um, guys and girls that have overcome this tremendous physical adversity with just powerful, powerful attitude and hope and optimism, and it just inspires everyone around them. So it was great to have been there on the beach and seen it and to try to help then my support to the team who, who's desperately trying to get money together to um, to get over to the United States and hopefully uh, one of the South Africans can can win the gold this year.
1: Sure, I mean, yeah, you, you speak about that inspiration. I mean, certainly athletes uh, inspire all around, I mean, all throughout para-sport. But it's amazing when you chat to so many of the athletes, they just uh, t- seem to be, well, you know, I'm just a guy and I just do my sport and that's the way it is. Um, they don't go out with the aim of trying to inspire, but it's amazing just uh, how much they do. And it, it seems to be rather emotive. But uh, how does exactly does adaptive surfing work? I mean, are, are surfers with amputations, for example, allowed to use prosthetics to, to balance, for example?
4: Yeah, they are. I mean, there's guys out there. Uh, there was a Hawaiian guy last year who had his leg ripped off by a t- tiger shark. He was out there with uh, with a prosthetic limb. So, certainly, you know, the guys uh, can use um, uh, prosthetics. Some of them, I mean, there was a really interesting guy I met, Gallo from Spain, who was completely blind. Um, and he just served by fear. They had a guy out there who kind of pushed him into waves. Uh, just all sorts of uh, physically challenged uh, athletes, and you know, perhaps they are doing it just for themselves. But just by doing it just for themselves, they just inspire people. Um, I mean, they inspired me so much. I mean, I've you know, I've said the greatest surfers in the world, and you know, everyone has a story and everyone has a challenge that they've overcome in order to be successful. But these guys, the challenges they've had to face, you know, there's grease that South African guy, the guy was a top rugby player and, uh, you know, was not a bad accident, paralyzed from the waist down. There's another guy, a South African guy. He actually wasn't on the South African team, but he lives in Bali. He competed for for another nation. I mean, he was shot a few times. And the car was pushed over by the robbers and, and busted back. in Cape Town. You know, he's out there. It's just every guy has just got this amazing, amazing story. And when you go down to this event, the inspiration level, it's, it's like it makes your hair... It's like electricity. It makes the hairs on your arms stand up. It's just a beautiful thing to see and a beautiful thing to be a
2: part of.
1: Well, uh, Sean, I'll tell you what, you, you do seem to be very passionate about uh, the the surfers, and I certainly wish uh, you and the South African team all the best of luck in La Hoya from the 8th to the 11th of December. We're certainly going to catch up with you again before this starts and hopefully after as well uh, here on SAFM. But thank you very much for making time for us uh, this evening and this afternoon where you are, uh, or this morning where you are. <laughs>
4: Great, great. Thanks for chatting, and and hopefully any of the listeners can go out and support the guys. It's www.adaptivesurfing.ca. Take care, man. Cheers.
1: You're listening to Sport on
2: SAFM, the next best thing to being at the game.
1: So South Africa's news and information needed now. The grand story of the day has got to be the Proteus routing Australia by an innings and 80 runs in the fourth morning of the uh, second test in Hobart. It's a rather emphatic series win for South Africa already with a match to spare. We've got uh, cricket correspondent Johan LaRue with us to take us through what uh, played out on the day. Johan, thanks for joining us and uh, just give us a brief rundown of how the day actually played out. So the day started with
3: South Africa needing uh, to pick up eight wickets. Australia were never going to win this Test after being bowled out for 85 on the first day, and it really just uh, fell apart uh, for Australia. Usman Kawaja and Steve Smith looked pretty decent yesterday, but as soon as the wicket of Kawaja fell, uh, it, it just fell apart for them. Carl Abbott was superb, making especially a good use of the conditions, and uh, so was Robada as well. And even though Vernon Philander didn't pick up a wicket, he was extremely economical up front. Uh, he did didn't concede a run with his first 30 deliveries of the day, and uh, that took its toll on, on Steve Smith as well. He struggled to get going on the day. And uh, just an outstanding performance with the ball today, but in general, a really great performance by South Africa. If you look at uh, the runs that were scored by the likes of Quinton Kock yet again. And uh, South African cricket in a great place, but I think the, the talk at the moment is about Australian cricket and what they're going to do because. I do think that it's time for them to make a few changes, and uh, I said it in my earlier report today that if Steve Smith and if Darren Lehman stay in their positions until the third test, I think that they can count themselves extremely lucky. They've now lost uh, seven matches in a row. They've lost their last, I think it's five test matches, and uh, I do think that there's something wrong in Australian cricket, and it's time to make a few couple of changes.
1: Yeah, well, uh, Graham Smith expressed something similar as well. It was, <laughs> it was founded down by Steve Smith, the current Australian captain, who, as you say, one wonders how long that might be the case. But uh, what's incredible to think, Johan, is the fact that uh, this test match was actually over in, in seven-odd sessions because they lost an entire day to rain, and Australia losing at home by an innings is, is unthinkable in, in, in cricket. So, I mean, h- how this actually played out is, is, is virtually inexplicable. Yeah, and Steve Smith uh, today,
3: he did credit uh, the South African bowlers and and he said that they they performed very well and he also said that they weren't quite up to scratch and I think that's the the understatement of the season at the moment because Australia really aren't pitching up on the day and again it has to go back to that first innings when they were bowled out for 85, yes the conditions were tough to bat in but that's when you need someone like a a Steve Smith and and he was the one that stood out but a Steve Smith and an Adam Voges to really get stuck in and to frustrate the bowlers a little bit and to wait for the bad deliveries and then to put them away but instead
1: they they fell apart.
3: Yeah, and a couple of uh, other
1: lads being given opportunities and showing that they can come off, like Kyle Abbott for for South Africa, of course. Uh, nine wickets in the Test match overall, Man of the match performance for uh, Kyle Abbott taking his chance. But it, it's good to see those kind of performances, though, in the absence of a, a Dale Steyn, in the absence of an A. B. de Villiers. Well, it just you get a sense that the the pool is deep. Yeah, to be fair, I can't remember uh,
3: if Carl Abbott has ever given a bad performance in the, the Proteus shirt, and unfortunately for him, he hasn't been given the opportunities yet, but now with Dale Steyn being injured, it might just be his time to to stand up and to step into that role. You have to feel a little bit for Mornay Morkel as well. He's coming back from injury, but he does still have a lot to offer to the South African teams, but Carl Abbott was given the nod by Faf de Plessis, and uh, he really did take his opportunity, and I do think that uh, Abbott now finally will have cemented his place in the, the Proteus test team at least and uh, it'll be interesting to see if Dale Sain comes back in six months time what the Proteus electors will decide to do there I know that they've always had the policy that uh, you need to play really badly in the Proteus jersey or the Proteus shirt for you to be dropped you won't be replaced by somebody else putting up good performances but Carl Abbott definitely showing that he deserves to be in that, in that uh, starting 11 and uh, a great opportunity for him as well to show what he can do and like I said every time he gets that shot he does take full advantage of it.
1: In this uh, day and age of celebrity culture and amalgamated names like uh, Brangelina and things like that over the years, (laughs) one wonders if we're going to have Rabada and Abbott being referred to as rabbit from (laughs) from now on. That's it. Now on a more serious note, I mean, why isn't the third test a dead rubber? Well,
3: uh, it's uh, Fab Duplessis said after today that they are going to want to make it 3-0 just to rub that uh, little bit of, of salt in the wounds uh, but it's also an, an opportunity for South Africa to try and get back to the top in team in, the, in test rankings and, and that's ultimately what, what test cricket is all about. You want to be that number one team, you want to have that mace in your cabinet but it's also it's a, a day-night test, South Africa's first day-night test and they'll be wanting to show that they can perform with the pink ball. There was a lot of talk earlier this year whether this test watch will actually take place because South Africa have never played with the pink ball And uh, if the Proteas can Dominate that Day night test it, uh, it will definitely Lead to some Changes in the Australian setup. I'm not sure Exactly what Those changes Will be But I'm Certainly looking Forward to uh, Some day night t- Test cricket uh, With the South African team Being
1: involved At Adelaide I think we all Are because We can watch Cricket at a Decent hour <laughs> in, uh, in South Africa As well But uh, you spoke About the world Rankings and, and of course I suppose That's that's important Because I think South Africa If they, if they actually Beat Australia Make it 3-0 uh, Leapfrog Australia into fourth position in the in the world rankings, but in terms of world ranking points, South Africa, not too long ago, was doing what Australia was, sliding from number one down to as far as number seven in the uh, in the test rankings. Um, these type of performances though give a lot of South Africans hope, and maybe there's a little bit of false hope here. How good are South Africa at the moment? Ignoring the world rankings though, where would you put us on these performances? I think it depends in in what kind
3: of conditions you you put us in uh, At home, I do think that we are pretty unbeatable at the moment Even if the likes of India do come and play in South Africa I think we'll give them a good run for our money Especially considering the fact that avi de Villiers isn't in the team at the moment And uh, you did mention that slide that South African cricket went uh, through And all of a sudden they are getting back to the top And For me, I am a big fan of A.B. de Villiers as a player. I'm a big fan of A.B. de Villiers as as a person as well. But... I think the team have have been relying too much on Ab de Villiers in the past, and it just showed in his absence, the other guys have been able to step up in this test series and in the ODIs as well. I think Faf de Plessis should take on the test captaincy on a permanent basis. The ODIs, uh, Ab de Villiers, I, I do think he, he still has a role to play in terms of captaincy as well, but I do think if you look at the names, like a Kajisa Rabada, like a Quinton de Kock, unbelievable players at the moment, and then uh, the stability of Hashim Amla, Ab de Villiers and Faf du Plessis, I do think that uh, we... We are right there, right up there in terms of um, test cricket. ODI cricket, we probably uh, maybe ranked uh, second or third at the moment. And T20 cricket, I do think we still need uh, a lot of work on. But uh, right now, South African cricket in an excellent position.
1: All we need is uh, Smith's luck with the toss as well. We're not doing too badly with, uh, with the coin tosses, but certainly every now and then a cricket match can be decided on the toss. But, Johan, thank you very much for your uh, time. Thank you for keeping us up to date and enjoyed the third test.
3: Thanks. S.A.F.M. Sports Wrap.
1: S.A.F.M. South Africa's news and information leader now. In just a few moments' time, Bafana Bafana is going to be taking on Mozambique at the uh, Grand Estadio do Zimperto. It's uh, in the outskirts of Maputo, in the outer suburbs of uh, Maputo. The kickoff is at 7 p.m. And uh, coach Owen de Gama is uh, the man who's going to be in charge for this uh, friendly international in which we're going to see the giant of a man, Lars Feldbeck, make his debut. But we've got uh, football correspondent uh, Mohamed Ali on the line. Mohamed, thanks for joining us. And uh, what are you expecting from um, uh, Lars Feldbeck, first and foremost?
0: Well, I think uh, Dwayne' uh, his, his inclusion was certainly a left field one. Uh, not too many South African uh supporters would have heard of last South uh before he was included in the squad for the Senegal World Cup qualifier. And I'm sure subsequently people would have probably googled and uh, you know had a look at what he what he's all about. And uh, they would have discovered that he uh, he did well with uh, P S B uh, P C Zola last season, being their uh, top scorer with uh, 14 goals. Um So I think you know he, he probably Probably would want to, to prove to South African fans. That uh, He deserves his call-up And uh, he's got a future with the national side And uh, what better way to do that Than uh, probably getting a goal or two Against uh, a Mozambique side That lost over the weekend uh, to Kenya They failed to qualify for the Cup of Nations um, And uh, no real pressure in the game So, uh, you know, the stage is set for him to, to show what he can do
1: It's also good to see Mehmo Tsang Getting a start But under Patosi still misses out On the opportunity to start And there has been some speculation About why we should fly players out Especially at the uh, business club. Costs that the foreign-based players are are allowed, if they're not going to be playing at least, or even getting a look in at it, uh, it starts. But um, are, are you happy overall with the uh, with, with the lineup that's been uh, uh, put together for tonight's time, with only three ch- players remaining from uh, the Senegal game?
0: Yeah, uh, at, at least uh, you know some of the or most of the players will be getting a run, and, and I would fancy Ayanda Patosi being one of those getting a run out this evening. Um, and and I would like to see uh, Acevedo, Mbekele um, getting a run as well, and as well as as uh, Sibusiso And as you say, you know, uh, for for the players, and particularly Lass uh, Feltweg, who had his father come out all the way from the Netherlands as well to to watch him, uh, you know, and, and didn't play over the weekend against uh, Senegal. It's probably <laughs> he he would have felt that it's, it's a wasted trip, but. You know, these these are the vagaries of uh, international football, and I'm sure if if you go to international teams, particularly African teams and and the South Americans, who've got to travel such long distances uh, if they, if they are based in Europe, and uh, you know, what is a coach to do? Because if the coach doesn't call up players, then he also gets criticised. So it's a difficult situation, uh, you know, particularly with these uh, long distance trips, but thankfully, uh, you know, South I have managed to arrange a friendly. The purpose of the friendly, well, we can, we can discuss that also because Bafana the Bafana's the the next official game is only at the end of August next year. So uh, you've got to wonder as well about
1: the purpose of tonight's friendly. Yeah, I, that was one of where, where I was actually going with that. But then what do you make then of the of the opposition? L- let me ask you first about the opposition coach's hairstyle, because over Xavier <laughs> has always been an intriguing and flamboyant character, hasn't he, from his days, at, uh, especially in the United Kingdom. But I think he started beforehand when he was playing in uh, was it the Netherlands beforehand, where he actually started with the hairdos.
0: Yeah, he's a very, very flamboyant and eccentric character. Abel Xavier was appointed uh, in January. Uh, You know, very unexpected appointment uh, by uh, the Mozambicans. But of course, him being Portuguese, there is the the colonial connection and the language connection as well. And, uh, you know, he he has uh, come out and said, uh, you know, even though his side have not made it through to the uh, final stages of the qualifiers for the 2018 World Cup and they're also not qualifying. For the next year 's uh, Africa Cup of nations, I say next year's is probably two, what, two months' time now yes. um, you know and and he's made it a point that uh, you know they, they're going to take every available international date and uh, try and build up a squad that will be good enough to qualify for the uh, 2019 Africa Cup of Nations and maybe go far enough to uh, be in the, in the business end of the qualifiers for the uh, 2022 World Cup and uh, they had some decent results, uh, I mean they, they did hold Ghana to a, a goalless draw in the uh, Africa Cup of Nations qualifiers so, you know um, I think they, they're probably going to look towards uh, putting up a decent performance uh, against uh, Bafana Bafana side that they've never beaten before, they've lost all uh, five of the previous meetings and uh, I think for for Abu Dhabi or uh, Hairstyle at all uh, you know he'll be looking for a good performance uh, against the Bafana side uh, you know who after uh, the exertions of, of Saturday and, and the high of Saturday and all the uh the uh, you know the sensation around Sheikh uh, Mashaba's suspension, you've got to wonder about their mental state at the moment.
1: Yeah, let's uh, let's go on that point. Let's leave the suspension behind, but obviously looking forward, Owen De Gama is there in an acting capacity or caretaker capacity, whichever you prefer. But Owen De Gama finds himself uh, in a situation where he's he's effectively given free reign to, to to make up his mind and do his own thing. It's clear that he has done so to a certain extent by bringing in eight changes, something I don't think Sheikh Mashaba necessarily would have done. But are we going to see a, a major change in tactics? Are we going? To, I mean, how much? freedom do you think Owen Dagama has and how much do we expect to see a difference from this Bafana Bafana side?
0: I don't think we'll, we'll see too much of a difference because uh, you know they, they've been together since uh, Sheikh Master took over from uh, Gordon Eagerson over two years ago and uh, you know they, they would have worked on the same kind of tactics. So I, I, don't, think, I don't think we'll see too much of a change and uh, we'll probably see the same kind of football that uh, we saw belatedly in the second half. Uh, against Senegal on Saturday where you know the team employed uh, quick passing movements and kept the ball on the ground. And uh, I think particularly with the likes of uh May Mashlangu and and Dane Clayton too. So Pala in, in midfield. Uh you know they'll they'll try and play those uh quick passes and, and try and use the, the pace of, of Pala and perhaps not the pace any longer of Dane Clayton but that dedicated left boot of his uh, on that left hand side as well. And uh but then you know you've you've got a big lad like uh, Lars Feldwick uh, playing as, as the striker, so you know you would probably want balls to be played and, and try and use that one point nine seven meters I, I think it is uh you know to to use that height advantage uh, as well against the Mozambicans.
1: Now I, I must uh, ask your opinion on this uh, Barbara, is uh, the fact that we, as you mentioned earlier, we, we're not having another really uh, World Cup qualifying game until August next year, another competitive game until I think uh, they start in the middle of the year the qualifiers for the 2019 Africa Cup of Nations so we've got a, a serious amount of time without uh, competitive action coming up um, what, what, what do the team need to do pushing forward? Because while results have been okay and certainly the result against Senegal was celebrated, the performances haven't really been as good as they can be. What do they do between now and then?
0: You know, I think, first of all, uh, SAFA will obviously have to look at the, the, the FIFA calendar for uh, 2017 and take whatever, uh, and, and you know, uh, I think good friend is uh, particularly bearing in mind, uh, the World Cup qualifiers, back to back games against Cape Verde and, uh, also the important game against uh, Burkina Faso at home and that uh, vital last qualifier against Senegal. So I would, would imagine, uh, you know, that Bafana Bafana or the SAFA hierarchy would uh, look at opposition that play a similar style to Verde for example, play a similar style to uh, Burkina Faso and, and uh, uh, Senegal leading up. And, and that's going to be the big aim now is to, uh, you know, do everything possible to try and qualify for the 2018 World Cup because it's got so many spin-offs, doesn't it, in terms of developing the game, developing interest in the game, perhaps attracting sponsors as well. So, you know, I think the big, big focus has to be to uh, qualify for the 2018 World Cup. And uh, I I see no reason why we can't. Uh, you know, given the, that important victory on Saturday, uh, I, I fancy that, uh, you know, if we do, uh, win our next three games, the, the, the back-to-back games against Cape Verde and against uh, Burkina Faso at home, and hopefully, uh, you know, uh, of Faso and Senegal take points off each other, or in their back-to-back ends, and uh, you know we should be well on our way towards qualifying. So I would, I would like to see Safa you know, arranging friendlies against teams who play similar style. It's no, use going to, you know, taking on European opposition who are not going to be anywhere near the style and, and the tactics of uh, our future opponents in the 2018 World
1: Cup qualifiers. Yeah, unless we qualify, of course, uh, for the 2018 World Cup and get the likes of Denmark in our group. <laughs> exactly. That, that said, uh, Mohammed, thank you very much for your opinions, and enjoy the game tonight.
0: Thank you very
1: much indeed, Dwayne. Always a pleasure. SAFM Sports Wrap. Well, that's all we've got time for tonight. And lady Monday is up after the news of the talk shop, so don't go anywhere and catch more sport Then tomorrow morning on AM Live with Janet Whitten. Uh, Brad Brown's back again tomorrow, 6.30 to 7 on SAFM Sports Wrap. I'll be back on Thursday. But from the PSL Radio Show team tonight, uh, producer Siobhan Chetty and me, Dwayne DeLocca, have a lovely evening. Cheers. It's 7 o'clock.